one day somebody should make an album out of all of my 30 second singing clips. And it rings like a bell through the night And wouldn't you love to love her? Let's get into it. Get into it, yeah. Yes. Hello, and welcome back to another riveting episode of Murder's a Drag, featuring your host with the most, or a Van Dyke in a floozy, fluzzy outfit and a pussycat wig. I'm here to serve it to you, and I'm here to tell you a story about queer history. Also, time is an illusion, and it's making fools of us all. Last week, I had like eight pages of content, and that boiled down to 19 minutes. And sometimes I have five pages of content that works its way all the way up to like a half an hour. And I truly don't understand time. It is a man-made construct that is, as I said, making fools of us all. I don't get it. We'll see where we are this week. I have nine pages, so. I've been having a roller coaster ride of the mental health times lately. It's just been rough. I've not been feeling very happy. Uh, and then I saw a white woman Facebook post that said nothing blooms year round and it made me feel better. I'm not blooming year-round, and I don't have to. <laughs> it really did make me feel better, though. Y'all know I moved out here. I had so many gigs at first. I was doing real well, and then I just got so tired, and I didn't have time for this or, like, anything that I was passionate about. And now that I'm not doing as many gigs and I've taken some more time for myself, I feel guilty, like I should be doing the same amount of gigs as everybody else, but... Nobody's the same, I don't want to, and uh, yeah, I feel more happy and healthy doing this than I do doing anything else, so fuck society and what they have to say. Society. Alright. It's really easy to get swept up into all the chaos when you're doing all the gigs and going out and ka 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 but when you really need to focus on you, I'm talking to myself in the camera right now, is the dude behind this pussycat wig. The dude that deals with depression on a daily basis, doesn't give himself enough credit for how well he deals with it. The dude who has a plethora of anxiety issues and panic disorder and, again, deals with that every day and never gives myself enough credit. The third person talking is getting difficult. The moral of my week's white woman Facebook inspiration moment was I don't need to bloom year-round. There can be some times where I shed my flowers and make room for new growth. You know what I'm saying? Because I barely do. I just wanted to give like a little bit of a pep talk motivational moment because the case I found this week made me feel motivated and inspired. I actually saw it uh, briefly, like heard about it on the When We Rise HBO docuseries that they did a while back. Um, a little blurb on the show about the Mattachine Society, which was one of the first tangible organized group of men fighting for gay rights. Come along with me to Los Angeles, 1948, and you see somebody like me walking the streets like this. But it better be a woman, because they would be very angry to find out that I have a penis under all of this. So it's 48. Henry A. Wallace is running for president. He is the Progressive Party's candidate. He's quickly garnering support from like-minded progressive folks, and one of those people is Harry Hay. Hey, Harry. So Harry signs a petition for Henry, the president candidate, presidential candidate. You don't remember him as a U.S. president because he didn't win. But they're at a party, and there's a petition being signed, and 
Harry, who is a gay man, is there with other gay men. And he's like, hey, guys, we should totally, like, start a group of gays and call it Progressives for Henry. Or actually, he said, one second. Oh, Bachelors for Wallace. Which is like, nowadays, when you think Bachelor, you think of like ABC Bachelor, but then Bachelor was like, oh, he's probably gay, honey, if he's not married yet. So basically, he had a bunch of those types at this party, and Harry was like, I'm going to get all you guys together, and we're going to start a party. And all of them, they're really litty, they're really drunk, they're like, fuck yeah, I'm on this train to progress, let's change the fucking world. And then the next morning, Harry Hay calls everybody up, and he's like, all right, are you guys ready to meet up and get this started? I've thought of names. I wrote out a whole list of our founding principles a whole bill of rights situation let's get down to work and the guys are like we don't remember that conversation and we don't want to help uh we were just drunk so at first things don't succeed but that does not stop a determined harry now harry hay was a different breed of brave this man's was in the communist party like legit in the communist party And as he's starting his political activism, the Red Scare starts to come about, and he has, like, direct ties to the Communist Party, the Fifth Order. I'm not sure what that means, but if you know anything about the Communist Party, maybe you do. Wasn't really willing to look into it that much. Don't really care that much. And Harry's very publicly and actively fighting for gay rights, and the Communist Party has a strict no homosexuals allowed in our club rule, so Harry gets kicked out of the Communist Club. But it's like an amiable situation because he goes directly to King Communism, the leader of the Communist Party at the time, and asks him, hey, can we just like cut ties completely, pretend that I was never here because I'm gay. I know you guys aren't down with that. And honestly, I have more important things to do right now than be with the Fifth Order Communist Party. Sounds like Star Wars to me. The leaders of the Communist Party are like, well, you know what? You're right, you're gay, and we don't allow that, but we're just going to name you and all of your associates who were also with the Communist Party permanent friends of the people. So essentially like, oh, we won't fuck with you if you don't fuck with us kind of a situation. And Harry was free from communism. Even though he wasn't really actively trying to escape, he was just more telling them that he was doing other things now. Other socialist things. So after the 24-hour rise and fall of his Bachelors for Wallace campaign, he was not deterred, not even a little bit. And he took two years putting some more ideas together. And in 1950, he found somebody who was just as passionate as he was and teamed up with a man named Rudy Gernreich. Rudy Gernreich is an equally fascinating person. Just fascinating. So Rudy was an avant-garde Designer of the late 50s, 60s, ooh, no, wrong time period. No, right time period, late 50s, 60s era. Don't ever doubt yourself, honey. And he coined one of the most interesting pieces of fashion that I've ever personally heard of. This man's invented what he called the monokini. And I like to describe this monokini if I was here on QVC selling it as a garment to cover just the tummy and the yummy the boobs they're out the whole time there's no there's no bra it's a bikini with no top but the tummy's covered and the yum yum so i don't understand avant-garde i don't understand avant-garde i'm gonna come out and say it i don't understand it so on november 11th 1950 rudy and harry gather with their friends 
for the first official meeting of their not-so-secret society that was unofficially named the Society of Fools at the time. But later that month, they renamed their group to the Mattachine Society based on a fictional jester from the French Renaissance stories about the French Renaissance, I guess. And this jester would tell the king truths that the king didn't want to hear, stuff that the king was doing wrong and needed to do better. But the jester was the only one who had the balls to tell the king. So the idea behind the name, and the jester's name was Maracino. So that's where the Maracine Society comes from. They wanted to kind of play at that. So they're having meetings in Los Angeles and taking cute Christmas photos together. And things move fairly slowly as they build up the foundation of their group for the next two years. And after that two-year period is when a very interesting opportunity arises. A member of the Mattachine Society named Dale Jennings is arrested at a Los Angeles park in a police entrapment scam for lewd and dissolute behavior because a cop tried to proposition him. Dale was like, sure, unzip. And then the cop was like, I'm a cop. So yeah, that's illegal. You're not allowed to do that as a cop or the other way around. But either way, tricky trick, boo boo boo. And the Mattachine Society was not happy about it. After Dale got out of jail, he called the people over there at the society, all of his friends that he had been meeting with, and was like, guys, this is our case. I am your plaintiff. Let's sue for this bullshit. I should never have been charged. I didn't do what they're saying I did. This could be the first step towards a possible landmark Supreme Court case. So he's arrested February 52, and then the trial begins on June 23rd, 1952, later that year. Dale states to the court that he is indeed a homosexual man, but is not guilty of the specific charges that he was being charged with, arguing that him being gay doesn't implicitly make him lewd and dissolute, which was the law that was in place in 48, even in California. Sorry, we're at 52 now. But the sentiment remains. After 36 hours of deliberating, the jury announces that they are deadlocked because there's one prick who's holding on to a guilty verdict, and the case is dropped and scrubbed. The Mattachine Society claimed a victory in this case, which it pretty much is, and they start getting really popular. More gay men are joining the group because they're seeing, hey, change is actually happening. By May of that next year, in 1953, the Mattachine Society had extended its reach from Southern California all the way to north of LA and the Inland Empire area. And California is a huge state. So that was a lot of people. And their attendees, or like total roll call at its highest, was 2,000 members. Into the 60s, the Mattachine Society would pop up from here and there to further movements with gay rights, to help out with cases of gay men being charged, to help with more things like Dale Jennings, and just sort of be a social group at the same time. Later into the 60s, after the Stonewall riots occurred, the Mattachine Society was seen as a more traditional and even too traditional approach to protesting and gay rights movements that they weren't getting anything done because they weren't being violent or loud enough, and their popularity fell, whereas more radical groups rose. But before then, before Stonewall, the Mattachine Society was an organized group of gay men working to further their rights. And there's a monument called the Mattachine Steps in Los Angeles, dedicated to Harry Hay and the Society. Now, the first thing that grabbed my attention about this case was that the Mattachine Society 
could have very well been responsible for the first act of civil disobedience in the name of gay rights. Dick Leach, who was president at the time in 1966, organized what he called a sip-in. Dick was inspired by sit-ins in the South for the civil rights movement where black folks would sit in segregated restaurants to protest the fact that restaurants shouldn't be segregated. And Dick's idea was to do the same thing. Now, Dick Leach is one of the most important founding fathers of the gay rights movement because he was just a pissed off New Yorker under it all. And that's the kind of person that's going to get shit done. Even though he was living in Greenwich Village in New York, which was notoriously a safe and comfortable place for gay people to live, he started to get very fed up with seeing signs in windows of restaurants that said things like, if you're gay, go away, and this is a rated premises, to try to discourage gay people from even stepping foot in these places. That's when he decided that he was going to do the sipping. On April 21st, 1966, Dick decided this would be the day that he goes out and does what he has to do. Meaning, next year, I'm celebrating 420 and 421 the same way. Dick planned to go to restaurants that had signs or were notorious for turning gay people away and refusing them service. And he planned to tell them, I am gay and all I want is a drink. I'm not being lewd or dissolute or rowdy. I just want service. He knew that he'd get kicked out of the restaurant, but he also knew that that would be that would be what made him a plaintiff. And that's how you get a case to the Supreme Court. So he collects his friends, John Timmons, Craig Rodwell, Randy Wicker, and a Village Voice columnist and photographer, Fred W. McDara. The four guys started their journey to get in a fight, essentially. They first stopped at a restaurant that Dick knew to have a sign in the window that said, if you're gay, go away and saw the sign there, but also noticed that the restaurant had been closed without notice that day, meaning that word of their little protest idea had gotten out and these places were going to put up a fight. The next stop was a place called Howard Johnson's, where they knew gay people were consistently turned away from service. And when they got there, the waiter there had heard or knew what they were trying to do and served them anyway. And when they said, We're homosexual. He said, how am I supposed to know you're homosexual? You're not doing anything homosexual. And so either that guy was a voyeur or he knew what they were doing and wasn't going to let them get their case. So they move on to a final stop called Julius's. And Julius's is a bar in New York City that is not a gay bar, but very popular for gay men at the time. And that's where most gay men are hanging out, but they're having a lot of problems getting kicked out once they're found out for being gay. So the men sit down at the counter and Dick says, quote, We are homosexuals, we are orderly, we intend to remain orderly, and we are asking for service. The bartender then threw his hand over their drinks and denied them service. And when they asked why can't they have their drinks, he responded with, quote, I think it's the law. So the photographer gets this timeless and very important photo, along with the other photos of their day. But he snaps the shot of the the hand over the drink, and that seals the deal. The next day, the story goes 1966 viral, and it's in every paper, and the headlines read... Three deviates invite exclusion by bars. Not sure what that means grammatically, but I think it was on their side because the articles seemed to be proud of what they did. But they, the Mattachine Society then announces that they'll be suing the State Liquor Board of New York because of 
this unconstitutional behavior. They were being denied drinks for no reason. There was no law saying you can't be gay. There was a law saying that being gay is implicitly disorderly. And they're arguing, obviously, it's not. We know this already in 1966 times. And the state liquor authority says, I don't know what you're talking about. No such law exists. Because like I said, it's kind of complicated. And just denies having a law. So no case can be made because there is no, there was nothing done wrong. He just denies that they would have been declined service. It must have just been the bartender's personal decision for something else. But there's no law on the books that says they can't be served. Not true. There was. But it did serve to get this case public. It went viral. The licenses would be revoked from bars if they served gay people, but it wasn't an on-the-books rule. It was just something that happened. So there was no case to be made. That sip-in did inspire a similar sip-in across the Hudson in New Jersey. The society sued the Liquor Authority of New Jersey for the same thing and actually got a case to go through the Supreme Court that listed, and I have to quote this directly, well-behaved homosexuals could not be denied service. In our culture, homosexuals are indeed unfortunates, but their status does not make them criminals or outlaws. But we are unfortunates. So thanks, I guess. That case was in 67. The following year, Stonewall happens. The riots go on. And Dick Leach is actually the first gay reporter on the scene. And through his own bright, starry eyes watching this revolution kick off, he's quoted describing the scene. Momentarily, 50 or more homosexuals, who would have been described as Nelly, rushed the cops and took the boy back into the crowd. They then formed a solid front and refused to let the cops into the crowd to regain the prisoner, letting the cops hit them with their sticks rather than just let them through. It was an interesting sidelight on the demonstrations that those usually put down as sissies or swishes showed the most courage and sense during the action. Their bravery and daring saved many people from being hurt, and their sense of humor and camp helped keep the crowds from getting too nasty or too violent. Dick was a big proponent and activist for feminine gaze. Appreciate that. And in this quote, he's saying, wow, the femme gays are the ones who are physically fighting cops and taking batons to the back of the head so that they won't arrest other people. That's pretty fucking strong if you ask him or me. These guys truly are some of the biggest heroes in the gay rights movement. Their hard work and the fact that they were actually paying attention to what the community needed, not what they thought they needed, but what the community truly needed, they got shit done. After the big boom in the Mattachine Society's popularity, once they got Dale Jennings' trial handled, Harry Hay was actually exposed in a New York Times article as a communist, and this is the Red Scare Times. So he steps down as president of the Mattachine Society of the time, and announces that he doesn't want any of his past to affect what's going on with the Mattachine Society and the gay rights movement. Almost all of the other founding members of the society also left at that point because they also got exposed as being communists early in the movement. Hal Call became president, who is also a very influential gay rights activist and leader. He became president at that point, but was a little too, like, sexually free for his time because he opened something called like Mattachine Cinema or something, where he showed, like, 
political films, but also porn. <laughs> and a lot of members in the society weren't happy, and he was just like, sexual liberation, and they were just like, mm, -mm. So, how little too early for his time. Like I said, the society stayed active, but more radical groups took over, and Harry Hay followed them. To close out this queer history moment, I need to tell you about the radical fairies. After the Mattachine Society, well, after his involvement in the Mattachine Society, Harry Hay was nowhere near done with his activism or exploring of himself and his consciousness, apparently. Definitely started doing some mushrooms and eating cactus pieces in the desert. By 1978, Harry had teamed up with somebody named Don Kilhefner and Mitchell Walker to do a workshop that they called New Breakthroughs in the Way We Conceive Gay Consciousness. Tell me there's not mushrooms involved with that. Like 90% mushrooms. They hold this conference at the University of Southern California, and it actually gets a pretty good reception. So they decide they want to hold an outdoor conference about the same thing. So they hold their first one in 1979, and they call it the Spiritual Conference for Radical Fairies. Harry named it, and he had coined the term to play on the spirituality and freedom within the folklore about fae, and also the fact that fairy was a derogatory term for a gay man then. According to a book about Harry written by Stuart Timmons, that first event had around 220 attendees, and they met in groups that they called fairy circles, where they discussed spirituality, homosexuality, politics, and apparently also autofellatio, sucking your own dick. That was something they talked about, something the radical fairies thought was very important. And why shouldn't it be? The fairy thing caught on, and the next year, they held another one that was even bigger, and so on and so on, and I think they're still around today. In 1980, they had the biggest fairy gathering to date that people refer to as Fairy Woodstock. Around the same time, Mitchell Walker, one of those original fairy founders, formed what he titled the Fairy Fascist Police because he suspected that Harry Hay was power tripping and this always happened to Harry. So who's to say if he was? I really don't think so. I think it was more jealousy from narcissistic people because even after this guy started the Fairy Fascist Police, they found no fascists, made no arrests, and Harry was fine. He stayed with the fairies until the day that he died. And that's what I want to do with my life. I want to eventually become a fairy. I mean, minus the psychedelics. I think I'm good on that. But I, I would love to just, you know, prance around the desert and talk about sucking my own dick. That sounds like a good time. But I found it really, really interesting to learn about founding fathers of the gay rights movement that I had no idea existed. I'd heard of Harvey Milk. I'd heard of the leaders of the Stonewall riots, the movement there. I've covered that in an episode. But I'd never even heard of a sippin' before. So when I found that, I was like, oh. And then I found the Mattachine Society and the Radical Fairies and so, so much more. You guys really need to, to look into the Mattachine Society. And then just like individually look at each person who's tagged. Look at their Wikipedia page. That's just so you can get the like brief overview. That's all you need. It's wild. This episode has been a wild ride, but I'm not sad at the end of it, which is kind of refreshing because, you know, this is a show about murder. So most of the time I am talking about murder and we'll be back to that next week. But for now, I hope you enjoyed a little queer history break. And it is tr crime still. You know, it was illegal for them to be at those restaurants. They were breaking laws. So it is true. It is crime. And I will allow it. 
just like I allow this pussycat wig. I spent too much time alone in this garage. So have a nice week and I'll see you in the next one.